This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Shining Donut 9 on 1, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Kaylee, Aaron, Danielle, the number Jeff, Amy, Tia, Dave, Jonathan, Scott, Kate, Isaac, and Karoon. But because it's that special time of the month, we also have to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors, and they are Eli, Mistrust, Jamie, The Boat Rat, Bryce, Haley, Sean, Another Ashley, Logan, Dominic, Jamie, Riley, Trigger Happy Mongoose, Alex, Mr. Dan Chalice, Shayna, Ali, Dr. Voorhees, MD, Priscilla, Matt, John, Megan, Amelia, Brandy, Maxwell, Lisa, Courtney, AJ, Spider Gwen, Rickety Cricket, Lisa, hmm, how do you say this name? Oh yeah, Liza. Duh. Rock Donkey, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Automatic Hamster, Kristen, Irene, Bex, Gage, Laura, Rich Homie Juan, Richie, Lauren, Daisy, Jackie, Alisa, Mushroom, Snail Fox, Jennifer, Michelle, and Eddie. And all the patrons, both the Burn It Down level and the You Can Get It level, want you to know that you are loved, you are listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with all of us, do so in the Facebook group or Discord servers where we hang out legit daily. So Beetlejuice is actually the name of a star. It's usually the 10th brightest star in the sky. The 10th brightest? I mean, come on. Do you guys know the brightest star in the sky? Dolly Parton? Uh, the sun, you fucking losers. <laughs> <laughs> If you're gonna set a trap for women, cheese plate is with a way to go. That's true. I have been saying this for a long time. Women are a lot like mice, so all you have to do to catch one is just lay cheese around the house, and eventually they're gonna yell at you and ask you to start picking up after yourself. I mean, that's how you'd catch me is with cheese. But I wouldn't tell you to pick up after yourself because I'd hope that you'd be dropping more cheese. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Virgin on Page. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch Beetlejuice. And since we all three just yelled it, does that mean Michael Keaton appears? Because I would love to have him guest if he's uh, willing. Honestly, favorite part of the movie, uh, except oh, yeah. that he's also kind of a sex pest. Oh, is he? Dude, did you no, not watch this the movie? Character. Oh, oh, I thought you meant Michael Keaton. No, yeah. No, I absolutely oh, no. didn't watch this movie. Sorry. Oh, my God. He seems perfectly nice. I was like, the best Spider-Man villain ever yeah. is a sex pest? That vulture is a good villain, man. He's actually not the villain. He's the hero, and Spider-Man is, like, indoctrinated into late-stage capitalism. But, like, That's we can talk fair. about That's this fair. later on my other superhero breakdown podcast <laughs> called Why the Fuck Are We Still Watching These? Because the Spider-Mans are good, and I like Tom Holland. Honestly, I really do like the Spider-Mans. Most of the DC and like later stage Marvel stuff, I'm out for. Like I, I could care less. But when I watched Endgame, when I'm sitting there watching Endgame, I was like, I'm gonna have a big problem watching movies in the Marvel universe after this because this same everything up to Endgame, mm -hmm. I was fucking here for. After that, I'm like, I'm out. Now I do want to see. I have another chance to see the new Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, but I hear that it's essentially Evil Dead Four. It is different. It's good. I like yeah. it. I, I liked it. It does some weird stuff too, which is cool, but like I still just don't know where. Welcome to our Marvel podcast. I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. I, I need the overall arch of the universe to go. And I know in the earlier films before Thanos and everything, they didn't do a lot of that. But like once you go in that direction, I think you need that 
like you need people to tie in a little better. I don't know. I'm also really excited for the next Thor. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's because of the story page, but the story <laughs> is the reason you're excited about it. Honestly, yes, because because Ragnarok <laughs> is probably m- one of my favorite Marvel movies. Thor Ragnarok is a fucking blast. Oh yeah, I love Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy 2.1. Yeah, essentially, but and this one kind of builds off that. I almost wish that they would just leave Earth and do only do cosmic Marvel movies and they could tie Honestly, them all together that, there and that would make a lot more sense. I'm fine with that. The space Marvel movies tend to be my favorite, but, you know, I love me some Sebastian Stan, so give me some Winter Soldier. Well, fuck, just take Spider-Man and Winter Soldier, throw them into space, boom, you got it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I don't know if that happened in the comics. Who fucking cares? Let's just do what we want to do. Nerds care. Nerds they do. care about that shit. So I need to introduce you guys to somebody before we continue this podcast. Uh, okay. Are you guys ready? This is Buttercup. <laughs> um, Buttercup is adorable. Yeah. Cute. But also, you're, you back you're up to back seven to, pets. You're back up yep. to seven pets. Got to get them numbers up. She is a mini dachshund, and I think she has a little cavalier spaniel in her, too, because she's got yeah, little cavalier ears. ears. Yeah. And the, it, their, the hair at the end of it is curly like Cavaliers, which I'm, I'm yeah. super into. I uh-huh. love Spaniels, too. So, yeah, we were looking on Pet Finder. And honestly, I was just looking for, like, where you would go to look for dogs, because I've never actually looked before. Hey, Yeah, hey, Pet Finder yeah. shelters. So, yeah, so we uh, looked on Pet Finder, and we weren't even, like, really looking to get one until, like, maybe later in the year. But she has, Pupcake's eyes are very similar. She, she does. She has a very similar facial structure to Pupcake. Yeah. Uh, she's black and tan and not red, but, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think she's adorable. And so we, we reached out to them to see if they still had her. And apparently she was at a breeder, but they couldn't sell her. She had some health issues early on. Yeah, if she's not showable. Yeah, we had to pay to bring her down here because she was in Indiana. But but we, we adopted her. I have been hiding this on social media for two days. So you guys wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> she's very cute. Although I always worry about Dodson's in their backs. But Me too. Know. And we've mm. already had to do back surgery for Schnooker. Like that was a $10,000 vet bill. Yeah. But she... Honestly, Schnook is like our miracle pup because she wasn't supposed to be able to walk again. They give her a five to fifty percent chance of walking again after surgery, and she's a little wobbly, but she walks fine. Wobbly. Yeah. How old is is Buttercup? Because she looks like a year, maybe more. Yeah, she's a little older. She's honestly about eleven weeks. She's a little older okay. than um, you know, normally you get them at like eight weeks. Yeah. She's a little bit older than you typically would get her. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand her back to Natalie, but I wanted you guys to see her, <laughs> Mikey. You should when you come over today, you should come uh, hang out for a bit. Have you sure. guys watched the interview where Chris Evans plays with Pup? Of course. <laughs> I did as soon as it was out. I've been waiting for it. Anyway, I wanted to show you because uh, I the reaction was what I expected. The whole she's very cute, but you already have. Now you <laughs> have back se- to seven. Yeah, now we're back to seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like the healthiest choice. <laughs> Uh, the great thing about being an adult is I don't have to care what you think, Mikey. <laughs> that, that is true. That is fair. Todd has a point. I will I will say that we got McCready two days after Dennis died. Oh, man. That's, yeah, I don't know if I could have done it that fast. Uh, to be honest, it helped. Yeah. I mean, I did spend a lot of nights just like looking at pictures on my phone crying after Pupcake died. Like, And, and then when we got Andrea's... Um, painting that she did that's so like we have it hanging in like our kitchen sort of great room areas uh and like i literally like when we were hanging on the wall right after we got it i was like tears flooding down my face trying to like nail in a thing so we can hang it like it's such a ridiculous scene but pupcake was like out of the seven that was the one you were like closest to i think that that happened when she was chronically ill like towards the end Mm -hmm. i got a lot closer to her uh was the one that accepted me immediately because pupcake was very leery of new people and always was Mm -hmm. which is why we couldn't really have people come over because she would bark until she was like sore like horse but anyway i wanted you guys to meet buttercup (laughs) 
Buttercup. Yep. Uh, for for us, because we only had one pet, going from one pet to zero pets like immediately changes like your day schedule yeah. and everything. And it was incredibly disruptive. But part of Jake's morning routine involved the cat, feeding the cat. Yeah. Doing everything. And so I, we didn't want to disrupt their routine. Yeah. <laughs> but we probably should have gotten a slightly older cat. <laughs> but McCready was like, he looked like Dennis. And it had all the same stuff. Yeah. Like, like they found him in a similar situation and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, he, he actually snuggled with me last night, Aww. which was very rare. Because McCready does, he snuggles with Jake a little bit, but usually at night he's like, I've got cat shit to do. Yeah. All right. So what did you guys think about Beetlejuice? And I'm assuming this is not the first time you've seen it, right? Like, this is such an iconic movie. It was my first time. Really, Paige? This is your first time. This is my first time because this movie came out literally months after I was born. Yeah. And and I don't have an older sibling. So for me, by the time I was old enough to watch this movie, it was kind of already old. Like, well, yeah. it was a few years old and there would have been nobody in my house that was like, I'm a super fan of this, so I'm going to show it to you. Because my parents were grownups. They didn't see it in theaters. And so I completely missed this movie until I was like a teenager. And by then I was like, I don't care. I don't know. Whatever. And so literally last night was the first time I had seen this movie. That's wild to me. That's wild. I know. I had older siblings that showed me the movie because I would have probably been in a similar situation as you. I'd I'd imagine we all would have. Mikey, you're the oldest though. Yeah. And you saw this for sure. Well, let me tell you. I'll tell you how I got into the Beetlejuice franchise. Oh, yeah. Was it the cartoon? The cartoon. The cartoon was baller. I love that shit. I think I must have seen the cartoon first, then watched the movie. I have seen the cartoon. And like back then, they made cartoons out of like all the cool franchises. Like, I wish they would do that today. But that cartoon was awesome. And they made me watch the movie. And it made me like, I'm like, I don't like Beetlejuice in the movie because he's kind of a villain. But in the cartoon, it's him and Lydia, like, causing trouble in, like, the afterlife. Yes. And he's way less creepy. Yeah. Well, and this one, he's a 40-year-old man trying to marry a 16-year-old girl. So, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. That plot point comes out of nowhere. Well, uh, as an adult watching this film with no nostalgia attached because it was not something I watched in the past. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see how it hangs up for you because for me, I love it, but I grew up on this movie. So I love it like I love Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And that's a terrible movie. Like I understand that. And this, I'm afraid, may not hold up if you don't view it through the lens of nostalgia. I still love it. I just think Beetlejuice is the villain. He he yes. is straight up the villain. Yeah. And like the good guys are the good ghosts and Lydia and like I guess her parents too, but like it's them learning to get along but Beetlejuice is a villain villain yes well here's what I will say about watching this as as a full ass adult with no nostalgia this movie crams so much new information into 93 minutes you struggle to fully get to know the characters until very late into the movie yeah that's fair Beetlejuice himself doesn't really show up until 48 minutes in by the way yeah yeah that said I, I, and I do think it is, you're trying to learn so much new stuff that the movie does suffer for it. The pacing's a little weird. There's a whole bunch of like 
this is happening in this world and you don't get to question it. You don't get any explanations for it. You kind of just have to go with it. And it was really kind of bugging me for like the first 30 minutes. But then at a certain point, you kind of reach a tipping point in the movie where you're like, okay, I think I understand enough now that I can kind of get into the rest of the movie. And by then the movie's almost over. But that rest of the movie is such a fun ride. I think what I arrived at is... I like it and I love the world. I find the world of Beetlejuice fascinating and so inventive and so creative. Yeah, that's that Tim Burton feel, right? Which I don't love everything Tim Burton does. Well, and he just directed it. He didn't even write it. I know. No, but I I do think this is one of his better movies. Me too. I I would agree. It it has the pacing problems of a Tim Burton film. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But I think this is back when he was like, I don't know, not burned out. I I feel like his earlier movies, he's a lot more creative and like, yes. Okay, this is a controversial statement that I cannot back up with fact, so forgive me. But it makes sense and you see this in a lot of artists careers early on when they don't have a lot of clout yes and they have to take sort of studio notes their early work is better than their later work because once they start to get like hits like this was a hit of a movie no one gives them notes anymore right no one gives them notes or they have the authority to not take a note yes and that hurts some artists and we get i think some pretty shitty movies out of that and not necessarily tim burton i mean every artist i think is subjective to that i i would agree with you no people People love Big Fish. <laughs> and I hate Big Fish. I have never made it all the way through Big Fish Thank in one you, sitting. Paige. Never once. I love Big Fish, but I have like issues with my dad. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, because yeah. my dad passed away, so like I cry a lot. I also have issues with my dad, but I would like a movie better paced to deal with my issues oh, with my dad. Yeah, thank you. Like oh. I can't remember the last time I saw the Tim Burton movie, but I've seen it on stage a bunch, and I love the stage productions of Big Fish. They're great. I didn't know they did it on stage. But yeah. I, I would say I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, uh, and that's why we're getting Avatar 2 when no one asked for it. Not a single person was like, I can't wait for Avatar 2. <laughs> like, Am I going to watch Avatar 2? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm here for Avatar 2. Yeah. I am. I'm going to watch it, but if Avatar 2 never came out, I'd be like, man, I'm bummed I missed it. Oh, it's no. definitely a movie I would have been like. like when, when I saw that Avatar 2 was coming out, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys pretend it takes place in the Aliens universe, it works a lot better. Ooh. If we can get a Xenomorph to attack Pandora or whatever. The Space Marines hell are yes. there. The Space Marines are occupying Avatar Planet or what the fuck. It's called Pandora. I think it's called Pandora. I'm not sure. It's called Pandora. I, I was going to argue about aliens being Space Marines because they're merchant marines but yeah and technically the marine ones don't come in until aliens they're not in the original alien but whatever i get what you're saying my thinking for beetlejuice and this world because it is a fascinating world is that what i would prefer as opposed to trying to cram it all into a 93 minute movie is a saturday morning cartoon no oh. not not a saturday morning cartoon like an ash versus evil dead like make it a little bit spookier and yeah. make it a tv show that i'm here for that it creates a whole world about hauntings in the afterlife and dead yes. people yeah that's what i want and it seems very interesting and every time they go to the other side i'm like i want more of this explain all of this yes what is this why is this who promoted juno to case manager <laughs> well like that's what cracks me up but that's what i wanted from it a little bit to be like i want a tv show 
where our characters are dead people try to figure out what it's like to be dead and how to live as dead people in this house where Beetlejuice is kind of a weird villain figure that kind of pops up that they have to deal with, like a weird car salesman from the afterlife. <laughs> uh, but then they also have the minutia of dealing with social services. <laughs> like yeah. that part to me is hysterical. Hysterical. And so I, I think for me, I was like, maybe the format on this just isn't right. But that said, in 93 minutes, even though there's pacing problems, even though you're getting too much information to try and process it all at once, you get such a clear vision of like how cool this could be with more yeah. time yeah. that I'm like, yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I wanted them to all have like jobs. And then have to come back yes. to their house at the end of their workday or whatever. Like they have like afterlife jobs. Like yeah. yes. she becomes a receptionist at the waiting room for death or whatever. Like Yeah. And and I think in my mind, I'm like, I would center it around Lydia because why can she see them? And, yes. and it's only because she herself is strange and unusual. Yeah. She's like super goth or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think the idea that goth kids are <laughs> can see dead people is pretty great. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Head canon. It's because she read the book. See, my head canon, I thought it was because she was maybe dead. <laughs> and we were going to find out at the end of the movie that she'd no, been dead the whole fame. time. Yeah. You've been watching The Sixth Sense too much. But But my thinking was... We were going to and, and this is, I guess, too emotional of, of a version of this movie. But we were going to find out that the reason that her parents moved to the country was because her dad was struggling to cope with the fact that she had died. Yeah. I mean, I understand why you'd think that because of the movies we've done this month. But this is very much yeah. a horror comedy. Like this is not a let's process trauma together. Well, originally, this is supposed to be a horror movie. I'll talk about it in fun facts. Oh, yeah. But this was not originally a comedy. Really? They okay. Re yeah. They rewrote sections of it to be a comedy. Um, But I was glad to see that it was just goth people could see ghosts. Yeah. That was their superpower. Like you could choose to be goth. <laughs> but by choosing to be goth, you could superpower to see dead people which yeah that's fine for me I, I that did not bother me at all in this movie i see on this clipboard that you've attended a hot topic and therefore you checked the box for ghosts i mean i do think gina davis and uh alec baldwin is like couples goals man they're very sweet i do really love them together i like them as our I guess heroes I, I like I, I really started to like the relationship they had with Lydia later on yeah well I think you know it seems like there was a subplot cut off of like they couldn't conceive or they were having trouble with it and then like Lydia becomes their surrogate which, which they it, couldn't conceive it it does talk about that in the movie okay well I thought they were gonna try again right before they died well I mean they they suggest that but it implies that potentially there had been Problems, right? Yeah. Problems, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I like. I like that subtlety where they like they they're the warm and nurturing parents that Lydia really needed the whole time. Honestly, yes. I, I will say that as an adult watching this for the first time, the first fifteen minutes of this movie are fucking nuts. <laughs> well, because you meet you know Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, and you're like, oh, cool, these characters seem great, and then they get murdered by a a dog, an evil dog that's just headed to a mailbox to pick up. I don't think they would have died. I I have notes on that crash. Um. Okay. So I have notes on it too. They would have died. It would have been a horrifying death. You would have drowned. A horrible, right? Horrible, horrifying death because they would have 
drowned. You would have been stuck in that car and it w- you would have died. Yeah. It was only like one story. It was only like 20 feet up. I think there was a possibility they, if, if they were wearing their seatbelts, that they wouldn't have lost consciousness. Oh, it's not the impact no, that would kill you. it's not the impact. Yeah. It's that they can't get out of the car. Well, I was hoping they could. You know, you're supposed to have one of those things where you can beat off the window. Where you get beat off the window, Mikey? What are you going <laughs> to right. If you can get that window to come, it'll uh, let you out. Yeah, if you, if you don't want, <laughs> and remember, this is older i mean they weren't as prevalent back then they're even not even super prevalent now unless you have like a first aid kit in your car yeah but if you can't get out of the window within a minute and a half you're dead yeah you are dead as a doornail and and you have you either suffocate or drown in that car well we can all agree that gina davis's character is a terrible driver because they were not going but like five miles an hour <laughs> That's true. That is the one part of that crash that makes I less mean, sense. She was like, is, is that she, she was not necessarily going fast enough to get through a wall. Like she could have just stopped. True. Like she could have just tapped the brake and stopped the car. I do like that Mikey's note is why they let the women drive. Yeah. Women be driving. <laughs> right. Uh, men can be bad drivers too. I'm just saying she was driving and she was only going five miles an hour and ran that car off a cliff because of a dog. And that's why you shouldn't swerve out of the way of animals, to be honest. Driver safety tip. Yeah, yeah. let's just jump into the movie and we can talk about this scene by scene because we obviously are going to have some hot takes from Mikey today. Uh, it's a standardized <laughs> driving tip. If you're like swerving to miss a squirrel, you're more likely to kill yourself and others. Than to save the squirrel, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mikey. Mikey's saying just kill those animals out there. Uh, honestly, Kill the driving animals. tips say kill the animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. <laughs> like Mikey's not wrong. <laughs> like it's a very sad thing. And I have definitely slammed on the brakes for a cat. Same. We have a lot of wild bunnies in our neighborhood, like hundreds of wild bunnies in our neighborhood. So I usually drive pretty slow through our neighborhood just because I'm afraid of a bunny running out in front of the car. Mm-hmm. And I've had to slam on the brakes for a bunny more than once. Oh, yeah. Bro, I've ate like a million chickens in my life. I can't be afraid to hit a bunny on the car anymore. And I know that's heartless, but I can't kill any, a person because of a bunny. I avoid hitting animals as much as I can because I feel like it would put me in such a bad mental state that that would be almost as dangerous. But you have to kind of look around you yeah, if there's no one else on the road and it's yeah. a safe spot, but like if you're like going, if you're driving along the Grand Canyon or something, don't swerve out of the way of like you're the muskrat or whatever the fuck they got over there. <laughs> oh, they're really cute and you're not supposed to feed them, but I did and one of them let me pet it. Speaking of animals you're not supposed to feed while you're there, I, when I was in uh, Wisconsin, I think, at this yes. national park we were on this trail up a mountain and we went to this waterfall and it was just me natalie and our two friends that were with us and this chipmunk came out and was just like hanging out next to us and i started feeding it trail mix and it got like in my hand and yes. i was like able to pet yeah. it and i was like there's no way this chipmunk doesn't do this every day and now because y'all did that it can't survive in the wild and was slaughtered come winter <laughs> <laughs> But I got some great pictures on the gram for it. I like being the downer today. <laughs> That's the same thing with the ones at the Grand Canyon. And and it's because they're so used to tourists. Like they survive based yes. on tourists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and everyone has trail mix or whatever. But they they are so comfortable with humans that even if you don't feed them, if you just kind of sit down and stay still, one of like one of them just like hopped up on my knee. Yeah, and absolutely. Kind of like, what's your deal? That's how yeah. the whole thing started. Yeah, absolutely. Because we were sitting down yeah. resting, wa- looking at the waterfall because it was pretty. And then this chipmunk walks out and is like, "Hey, what's up? You guys got some trail mix?" <laughs> Next to my uh, backyard pool, a family of cardinals has settled in. They like eat the grass, 
And so I'm like always drinking beer with a bunch of like five Cardinals. They're always, they're always, they're there right now, right here. And I can see them. They're like my little friends, man. I just need to see some fan art of Mikey in the pool drinking a beer with five Cardinals on the ledge, just like chilling with Mikey. But they're also drinking beer. They're like in the grass by there. But they're like, you know, most birds like fly off when you get anywhere close to you but they're like oh that's like that drunk dude that lives here he'll he'll be fine <laughs> anyway we gotta get yeah, through yeah. the rest of this movie so the movie opens with harry belafonte songs over the credits because it's never really established why but apparently alec baldwin's character loves harry belafonte and i mean good yeah <laughs> uh, there's something in fun facts that might explain it a little bit but i don't know why it would have been uh, why it would have made it all the way through production and then it would have stayed a character trait like I, I feel like it's something they would have changed yeah so i think this is just something that tim burton was like yeah this is what it's gonna be and so it just becomes a weird character quirk of, <laughs> of alec baldwin's character yeah but as we're watching the credits we kind of move over the little town we see the church and everything and their old farmhouse on the top of the hill which looks like it was built it's it's the craziest house. Well, I, we're in a Tim Burton movie. I feel like this for a Tim Burton yeah. movie is like a conservative. I mean, I prefer the Edward Scissorhands mid-century track neighborhood. Sure. That's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> okay. But my, my thing with this house, and we'll find out, is that the inside of it looks like an old Victorian. The outside of it looks like it belongs in the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. Like it's, Absolutely. It's so strange. Anyway, so as we get closer to the house, we realize it's a miniature. And there's a giant spider on it. So Alec Baldwin helps the spider off, dumps it out the window, and then comes back to talk to Gina Davis, where they give each other gifts because they're about to essentially have like a two-week staycation. Yeah, they're staying at home, but they're not going to work for two weeks, which honestly, I sort of love staycations, not going to lie. Pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and she gives him tongue oil, which is a wood treatment, so... He's going to do some of the furniture. It seems like they're working on parts of the house. I got the impression that they were sort of going to be fixing it up. Maybe not like huge yeah. renovations, but like, you know, settling into their house during this staycation. Yeah. Or just like doing some like little improvements. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're settled. Yeah. Because I think they've lived there for a long time or at least a few years. But yeah, they're doing some improvements around the house. Yeah. Like some honeydew type projects, right? Right. The phone rings, but also Jane shows up to their door. So they kind of split the difference. Gina Davis goes to talk to Jane and Alec Baldwin gets the phone. Jane, it turns out, I believe is Gina Davis's sister. She is the true villain. She is a hardcore villain in this movie. She's somehow related to them. We don't get specifics. She just later on, she says, I'm family and I helped decorate the house. But so she shows up and she's trying to get them to sell the house. Yes. She's a realtor. And she's real pushy about it. To me, it just felt like she wanted the commission. I was like, oh, this is like being a bad realtor right here. I think 100% that's what it is. Yeah. But the way she goes about it, I really, really, really hated. Yeah. You don't have kids. You don't need this house. Oh, yeah. She's yes. terrible. Yeah. I hated that. And clearly when she says it, Gina Davis gets upset. Like you can immediately see on her face that this is like that she feels bad e either because they're unable to have children or at least have not been able to have them so far or whatever. Yeah. But regardless, fuck you, lady. Let people live in whatever fucking house they want and have however many kids they want to have or don't want to have. Get off my porch. Like, I will Sparta <laughs> kick you in the chest. Yeah. Like, knock it the fuck off. I mean, I am friends with my realtor. And if he came over and he was like, when are you guys going to move? I'd be like, what? No. Yeah. 
It's weird. It is weird. Like they should never do that unless you're like calling them and being like, hey, Xavier, I'm thinking about moving, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it sounded like she was listing the house online without asking them and getting offers. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? And then so Gina Davis kind of gets rid of her and she comes around the other side and hassles Alec Baldwin through the window of like where she's like, you don't have kids. It's for this place should be for someone with a family. And it's like, get out. Yeah. Eat a dick, lady. I bought this house. Like, fuck off the property. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, they decide to go to the hardware store, which they it turns out they own. It's their hardware store. They're the Maitlands. Yeah. But it took me a second because he walked into the hardware store and was just like reaching behind the cash register and i was like is he robbing the hardware store <laughs> they're the most casual thieves ever <laughs> yeah i was like oh no he owns it they own yeah. the local hardware store uh and the barber next to it who just like starts a story as he gets out of the car and keeps telling it the whole time he's in the hardware store and then comes back out and he's just still telling it. <laughs> just completely ignores the fact that he's not listening so they go to drive back to the house and they swerve to avoid a dog in the road they crash through the side of the covered bridge into the river cabin down so like the the top of the car yeah they're upside down lands in the river yeah and i do love that like when they're teetering on the edge of like still mm-hmm. being in the bridge or falling into the water it like cuts to the dog on that piece of wood that's yes. holding them the one thing that's holding yeah them. and then the dog's the dog weighs like eight pounds like it's a small dog and then he yeah. jumps off the wood and then they fall in i was like oh this is right. very tim burton and very silly i'm here for it it was almost <laughs> a little too silly for yes. me well i think this is one of those things that you need in a horror comedy but they probably added to the script when they were like let's make it a comedy yeah, I mean, it's hard to kill two people and make it like, let's keep people invested. Yeah, let's keep people laughing during the, the death scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Th- this was very goofy for me. But but then what happens to them is, you know, because the car's in the river, my first thought is, that's a horrifying, terrible death. Yeah. And they don't seem to remember it ever for the rest of the movie, which I kind of appreciated because what a horrifying trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like their memory goes from like, the crash. They know a crash happened, but they don't seem to remember anything immediately after the car, like hitting the water. And then from there, it's like they just like skippity bit to coming up to the house again yeah. and walking back into the house. So anyway, we cut immediately to them getting home. And so for a hot second, you're like, did they survive that crash? Which, you know, to Mikey's point, if they had a thing to break the window, they probably could have. It's not a very deep river as long as they didn't get crushed when it landed upside down. If they were able to get out of the windows, they maybe could have survived that crash. Well, and as they're walking up, I think they're wet, aren't they? They are wet. So it's like there is a question as to whether they actually died or not immediately. Yeah, I'll burn a fun fact right here, actually. Oh, okay. You'll notice through the rest of the movie that everyone seems to stay in the version of them that died. So like there's the guy that's been run over by a car. So he's like, yeah, flattened with tire treads. There's, you know, uh, the guy with the shrunken head that like all of those, uh, they seem to stay in the way that they died. The one notable exception is Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin who dry off and walk through the rest of the movie dry. Yeah. Um, 
originally, I guess they were supposed to be wet the entire time. Oof. And oh. early, early in production, they decided that A, that would be very uncomfortable for the actors. Yeah. But also B, it would actually be too expensive and too much of a pain to keep them appearing wet on dry land the entire time. Yeah. So they scrapped it. So they're one of the only dead people that we see that doesn't maintain the way that they died as far as appearance. Yeah. I think that was a wise decision, though, because that would have been a nightmare for Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin. And just from oh a production God. standpoint, imagine just like standing by with buckets of water to dump on the actors every hour or whenever, you know, that would be terrible. Well, they would have had to find a way that wasn't water. Because A, water dries, but also B, if they're wet walking through the set, they'd just be constantly ruining the sets. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, they would have had to find a non-water way to appear wet the entire time. I think when they kind of realized that that was going to be it, they were like, hell no. Yeah. So... They're walking around their house. They're trying to warm up near the fire. We see Gina Davis's fingers catch on fire. They're slowly noticing things that aren't quite right. And so Alec Baldwin steps outside and he enters into the weird world with the sandworms. Um, Oh, you mean afterlife Arrakis? Yeah, basically. (laughs) I loved it. I I love that part of the movie. And they even have like sandworms that are like Tim Burton-y, which I'm here for. I Mm -hmm. like they have a face inside a face. They don't look like a butthole. Like I there are so many things I like about it. Yeah, I do think Dune would be improved if they swapped out the butthole worms for these sandworms. No, not me, man. Butthole worms all the way. I mean, listen, I'm a fan too. Have you seen a real worm's mouth? No. It does look like a butthole. Does it really? Okay. Uh, I do think it would be very funny to see like some of these scenes in Dune but you replace the sandworm for the Tim Burton worm. Like it would be hilarious. Cause everyone's like so serious, like praise the maker praise is coming and is going, but you see like the Tim Burton sandworm would be hilarious. But with the same, the same soundtrack though, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's the same except for the sandworm. Instead of the sandworms, just have Beetlejuice appear with that, with that noise. And then he's like, it's me, baby. Anyway, as they're wandering around the house, Back inside from the sandworms, they find the guide for the recently deceased, yeah. the handbook for the recently deceased. And they're trying to read it and it doesn't seem to make sense. They're, they're like, it's like almost like a stereo manual. I don't understand. But they start to realize that maybe they didn't survive the crash. Right. And they spend some time reading the book and kind of just wandering around the house and adding to the model uh, when they finally hear car doors close outside and it's Jane um, and we essentially reveal at this point that it's probably after the funeral because they're dressed in black. Yeah. Um, but Jane is actively trying to sell their house. Yeah. I honestly think Jane pushed that dog onto the bridge to try and kill them. <laughs> to try and get the commission. Yeah. yeah, she would. She fucking would. Evil fucking Jane. Jane evil jane she's probably the beneficiary and so she probably took a lot of great pleasure selling that house wait she does say she's family right yeah yeah she does say she's family and also she never comes back to the house once like at a certain point multiple people know there are ghosts that live there that it is the maitlands and that you can talk to them and does she ever come by no no she never calls here's what happened Paige. when they told her that they weren't going to sell the house she was like you know what fine i'm going to get the commission and the full house price because I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to inherit the house. Right. Yeah. She's like, cover closing costs. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, 
one morning they wake up and I do think this is kind of cool where Gina Davis is sleeping not on the bed on like air but the blanket is over it yes (laughs) they wake up and a new family is moving into the house and it is Catherine O'Hara as Delia Dietz yeah she's so good in this and then her husband uh, the principal from Ferris Bueller, who hold up. Yeah, no, yeah, he, we we don't need to get into that. Let's I not. Just, I just want to enjoy. Great guy. Yeah, I just want to enjoy <laughs> the movie for how it is and not what he was arrested for later. Yes. yes, Google it if you have time. Yeah, honestly, his name is Jeffrey Jones. If you want to know, Google it. It's terrible, though. Yeah. It's bad. So they're walking through the house and Catherine O'Hare is like, I'm going to rip out everything. I don't like it. But Lydia, their daughter, Winona Ryder, or at least Lydia, Catherine O'Hare's stepdaughter, yeah. uh, is, is wandering through the house. She sees one of the spiders and she just says, you know, I could live here. And as she's wandering around, they're unloading Delia's sculptures. Her sculptures are terrible oh yeah like (laughs) they're really bad i mean it is the quality that you might see from someone who's not been paid for their sculpture work (laughs) yeah 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 it would be like if i made a sculpture like it would suck i mean i bet it's fun but it would suck you know yeah and we we find out that uh the dad so delia's husband lydia's dad yeah uh, moved them there to kind of get away from the city. He was a stockbroker and his nerves were getting the best of him and it was kind of his idea to calm down. Yeah. I thought he was a real estate agent. I got the impression that he was like rich, rich. Yeah. Well, the guy he calls that he's trying to like sell this deal to, when he's talking about his job previous, it sounds like he's a I thought stock- was selling condos and stuff, like, like developing condos. It sounds like he's selling stocks originally in that conversation, but he's trying to sell him on the idea of developing condos so i think it gets into real estate development at a certain point although we'll see later that he's trying to sell the whole town as like an amusement park yeah towards the end toward the end so i don't know i I think real estate developer might be closest i guess but he's trying to get away from it all and his wife has brought her interior designer with them and he seems to be live in with them yes which brings me to the character of otho i think otho is just unhoused and (laughs) does not does not actually have any of the talents he claims to have i think otho is a jack of all trades because he's whatever he needs to be to be able to live in a fancy house yes. with whoever will let him live there. That's who I think Otho is. You think Otho is just like a decent con man? Yes. Yeah. A decent isn't proficient? Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I don't mean decent as in like a good person because he's not a good right. person. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That That's where that's where I land on Otho. Yeah. Counterpoint. I bet you liked Otho, didn't you? Otho's the best. <laughs> no, Otho's the worst. <laughs> I mean, I think he's charging them a lot of money to do what he's doing. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. And they've got money to spend. I honestly don't care. Like, if you're conning rich people out of their money, I'm sort of here for it. I mean, he seems like a life coach for what's-her-face. See, that's what I hate. I-, I hate life coaches, but, like, game, respect, game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But again, I will reference what I said just a second ago. If you can scam money out of the rich, I'm here for it. So, like, yeah. call yourself whatever you want. I'm here for it. Life coach. Um, what do they call it when you, like, look at the stars and divine futures? Okay, astrology, but that's more fun. Right, but no. still made up. And then, like, so, like, other made up professions, like clergymen, like, all of the people who have figured out how to, like, scam rich people for money. Mathematicians. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. Doctors. Tax accountants. Yeah. Yeah. 
acupuncture is. Rocket science. Ac- wait, acupuncture is straight up real. You'd be surprised. Paige, I think you missed the bit. We're, we've moved into things that are real. I know. I'm just like defending acupuncturists. As a therapist. Th- yeah, therapist. That's a good one too, Mikey. That's yeah. a good, yeah. Therapists, archaeologists. Who are the people that write buildings? Architects. Yeah, architects. All of those made up professions that are just to scam rich people. Just build it. You don't have to draw it first. What are you, a child? Yeah. I mean, I've been drawing buildings since I was a small child. Like, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think he's con. I think he's conning them. Yeah. I don't know. He does decorate that house with a vision. He seems like a pretty legit interior decorator. It's an oppressively bad vision. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to it, but there's something they he did. He just reflects the client. That is true. And they are oppressively bad. They are oppressively bad. There's something that they do to that set that I want to talk about when we get there. Oh, yeah. That is bafflingly terrible. Okay. So when we get to that point, we'll talk about it. But between that and the paranormal stuff and and how much of a dick he was to everybody, I was like, fuck this con man. Like, (laughs) take your bullshit somewhere. Take your monorail to Shelbyville. Otho is a modern day Rasputin. Yeah, Rasputin was a bad guy. Yeah, he was. History is only written by the victors. We'll never know what he was like. No, we do know. We'll never know. They killed all those people and Rasputin. I mean, they did kill the Romanovs and they killed Rasputin before they killed the Romanovs. Like yeah. they had to shoot him 25 times or whatever and throw him in the river. But eventually he died and he he drowned and froze and then they had to poison him. Yeah, it was like a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and then supposedly somebody has his severed Dong. penis on display. Yeah. But then they tested it and they think it was actually from a horse. So <laughs> people mistake that with me all the time. I don't think they do. How hairy is your dick? The fact that you know off the top of your head that a horse's dick is so hairy has me concerned. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) Anyway, so Conman Otho and Catherine O'Hara walk through this house spray painting walls that they're going to paint or tear down. They're basically just marking how they're going to destroy this very pretty house. Yes. And he's claiming that she can read his mind and not all my clients can. It's full bullshit. But- she is reading my mind is very much the what do you think I want to do here? And it's really asking your client what they want to do there. And then right. you right. not having to come up with anything, which is why he's a con man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's a salesman. There's a thin line. No, <laughs> no. He's a con man because he the only thing he's selling is his expertise. Right. Which is what a salesman does. No, salesmen usually sell items or, or something. But like I would say this goes a step further. Because he had to sell the idea of his expertise being worth their time, and then he has to justify his continued presence there. Yeah, like an interior decorator. Yeah, kind of. So Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are trying to scare people off as they're walking through the house because it's ruining their house. Like, they're actively talking about the things are going to change. Yeah. Well, they're spray printing walls and shit. Like, Yeah. So Gina Davis does this first one where she appears in the closet, and she's like hanging there dead. And then pulls her face off where her eyeballs fall. Yes, it's so cool. It's a very cool effect. It's a cool first outing. Like she like really learned fast. Yeah, I was super into it. And then they just like push her aside through the closet as if she's a piece of clothes. And that made me laugh 
so hard. <laughs> like I was like, perfect. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. And then they're trying to stay like one or two steps ahead of them as they're going through the house. So they've got like a decapitated head and no one seems to notice. They can't seem to see them. Yeah, they just don't even see it. Yeah. Right. The one thing they're able to do is lock the attic door to try and keep people at bay. Yeah. And initially Otho and Delia can't get into that door, which is great. So they kind of have like a respite, a safe space in the house. Yeah. So we cut to they try to go outside again, uh, but they see the sandworm. Gina Davis has to like punch the sandworm. They get back in the house <laughs> and they realize like they're trapped in this house with those people. Yeah, because if they step out of that house, they're on afterlife Arrakis or whatever. Right. Yeah. So we cut to uh, Delia and Lydia and their whole family is having dinner and they're mad that they're having to eat Cantonese and not Szechuan, which I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Szechuan, delicious. Cantonese, also delicious. Yeah. But like, you're in the middle of nowhere. You are lucky that they had something that wasn't sandwiches. Like, what are <laughs> right? you doing? But again, that sort of led me to believe that they were like rich, rich. Or just they're from New York. Sure. You know, yeah. like rich or not, they're from a place that is more culturally diverse. And it, it definitely seems like Delia didn't want to leave New York. Yeah. And so she's trying to bring as much of New York with her, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So we cut to the next day where we kind of find out that the furniture trucks are coming. They're going to get rid of everything that belonged to Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis while they're kind of trapped in the attic just watching it happen. Yeah. And as they're going through their handbook, a note falls out of it that says, call Beetlejuice. Meanwhile, outside, they're loading all of Delia's horrible sculptures <laughs> into the house and they are terrible. Yeah. Like, it's just like a weird spiky thing. It like almost kills her. It like pins her against the house. But it's, I will say, ugh. I remember these shapes. I could draw her statues since I was like 10 years old on. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they do stick with you, but they are pretty bad. Yeah, they're terrible. So, the sculpture comes through the window. It traps her against the wall. <laughs> uh, and as Winona Ryder's character, Lydia, is watching that from outside, she's taking photos of the house and she sees someone in the attic window. Yeah. So she can see them. And Gina Davis notices. She's like, that little girl saw us. Yeah. Don't know what happened, but she saw us. This is where Jane pulls up, gives them the skeleton key for the attic. And she's like, I'm family. <laughs> like, you know, I, I helped decorate it. So if you need any help, just call me. And I'm just like, man, you're the worst. Yeah. She sucks. She's laughing all the way to the bank, though, because she got. Yeah. So Lydia takes the key. She goes to the attic and they manage to prevent her from getting in. They kind of like bar the door. Yeah. They, they hold it shut and they knock the key back out of the lock. But as they're doing it, there's a commercial on the TV in the attic, a TV that's not plugged into anything. It's just like sitting there. Yeah. It's just like afterlife on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So we know that this is supernatural. Yes. And this is where we get kind of our first glimpse of Beetlejuice as a commercial for being a bio exorcist, which essentially is like he's going to get living people 
out of your home. It is the polar opposite of like an exorcist in the real world, right? Right. Right. Except this commercial is very much like, come on down to Crazy Larry's. Yeah. We've got stereos. <laughs> we've got cars. We've got pawn shops like that. It's that. I honestly would have loved it if Beetlejuice himself was just like a, a wacky inflatable arm guy. I think if you did that today, it would be. Yeah. I think that would be one of the things that he kind of turns into. Yeah. And when, I mean, at the end, when he shows up in real life and he has those long arms that roll out into those hammers like it would look like that like they already sort yes. of got there later in the movie that's really true yeah. yeah so they don't really understand the commercial but it gives us a little bit of info as the audience Lydia walks away but they basically read from the handbook that if you're ever in an emergency you need to draw a door so they draw a door into the brick wall of the attic yeah they open it and they somehow transport into the world of the dead and Lydia does see the green glow of that open door under the attic door yeah uh-huh. but we cut to her dad in the library and she comes down and is just like yo this place is haunted and he's like whatever he's looking out the window down onto the town kind of plotting about what he can buy up and flip yeah I feel like he's like plotting the purchase of the town all of it like the whole yes. town uh, meanwhile Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are in kind of a dark green funhouse mirror yeah. horror fantasy. Um, and as they kind of walk through some of these hallways, they end up in a waiting room. And this is the first time we kind of see the social services of the dead. Yeah. Where everyone's kind of be, being waiting to be seen by their caseworker. Everyone... Is, kind of looks the way they've died and they talk to Miss Argentina who's basically checking them in uh, and we reveal that she unfortunately died by suicide yeah there's a handful of people in this movie that have died by suicide or attempt to um and it's it kind of plays it tongue in cheek even though it's kind of dark yeah. subject matter yeah so they finally get let in they go through this kind of crazy hallway through a a door it's the sixth door and it basically puts them back into their own house but it has already been remodeled by delia because they find out that they've been in that waiting room for three months yeah they've been like in the spirit realm for three months yeah time moves kind of crazy in this world i kind of like it um this is also where we see the lost souls room where if you have exercised a ghost that's where they go and it's kind of dying after you're already dead yeah they even say that he's like that's death for people who are already dead yeah, yeah and they keep as they kind of go through all of the stuff they're like this is in the manual you, you got to read the manual like <laughs> yeah so they talk to their caseworker juno and juno is basically like look you're a ghost it's your house most ghosts don't get a whole house like you are tied to that house which gives you some power yeah to kind of scare them and work within the house you have to get rid of them and they're like well what about this beetle guy that we saw this commercial for and we got this note and she's just like she does almost like the Candyman thing of the we don't say his name yeah so she basically says scare them yourselves it's your house don't call beetlejuice he's crazy and they're right he is crazy yeah uh and she also tells them that like he's been in your cemetery lately don't say his name because if you say it three times he shows up so try to remove them yourself yeah so they decide that they're gonna take their attempt at getting the deetses out of the house so we cut to a the model where we see that beetlejuice is already living in their model and he eats like a fly 
but his voice is just like, yeah, come on, come, come over here. Come, yep, get, get yeah. this butt. Which I was like, so do they have to eat? Do they go to the bathroom? They sleep. So what other physiological needs do they have? In my mind, any physiological thing that they do is a choice. Yeah. Like they don't have to eat, but they can if they want to, right? Yeah. They don't, ha- they don't have to sleep, but they choose to. I mean, I, I love sleep. So that's probably one of those things I'm going to keep doing forever. Yeah, same. Uh, so we cut to the office again where Lydia's dad is talking to his boss, Maxie, and is like, yo, we could buy up this entire town. Yeah. Bring your wife, come visit. Like, it's ripe for the picking. It's dirt cheap. And he's like, no, like, there's no reason to go there. Like, right. why would we buy this town? And so, as he's having that conversation, he sees two, or a figure, I should say, covered in a sheet trying to scare him and we we will find out that this is basically either alec baldwin or gina davis it doesn't really matter because they end up both in sheets later yeah Uh, but he thinks it's lydia and he's like your mother's gonna kill you for cutting holes in her sheets but he's like not scared he just kind of sends him packing yeah so then they go upstairs to try and scare delia and they're moaning and lydia hears it thinks her parents are having sex Ugh. And it's just like quiet <laughs> down, yeah. basically. Well, okay, so this is the first time watching this film that I figured out that she was the stepmom, not the real mom. Really, Mikey? Yeah, like I did not, I did not realize that, or I oh. didn't listen. I mean, it's been a few years since I've seen the movie. Sure, yeah. yeah. But as a child, I just assumed that was like the real mom, you know? Oh, see, I clocked that immediately the second she was walking through the house, like I'm going to change all this stuff. And Lydia was like, kind of, I hate her. I was like, that's the stepmom. Yeah, clearly, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Delia has taken some Valium to go to sleep. So she literally just kind of groggily. Which I thought was funny. Prince Valium. Like from Spaceballs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she just kind of groggily gets up and turns the television off because that's what she thinks is making the noise. She doesn't even register that there are ghosts. So they walk out of the room feeling kind of defeated and Lydia catches them on a Polaroid camera and takes a bunch of pictures. She is again still thinks it's her parents and she's like, you guys are doing freaky gross shit. Yeah. But then she picks up the photo and realizes realizes that there's no feet yeah and she's like wait you are ghosts they take off the the sheets and essentially they're like you can see us you're one of the only people who can see us and she's like well what are you doing here what's going on and they tell her we've been trying to scare you off because this is our house and we love this house yeah and we've been here basically since the funeral and so she's like well the sheets aren't working like you gotta try something different yeah you gotta step up your game she like references all these horror movies that they've never seen which i think is hilarious yeah Uh, are you gross under there (laughs) are you freddy krueger under there who are you night of the living dead under there are you gross (laughs) it was very funny yeah so we find out that they're having a dinner party that night for seven people and no one aside from them that's going to that dinner party hasn't been in vanity fair so it's very much a hoity-toity art society party yeah and upstairs they kind of debate they're like we gotta get beetlemeyer is what he says <laughs> like <laughs> maybe we enlist that guy to help us and it kind of pulls them into the cemetery of the model uh they call his name three times they have to dig him up out of the grave yeah and he gets up and again this is like 48 minutes into the movie so we've already lived in this movie world for like 40 minutes yeah he pops up and he is immediately stealing every scene of this movie that he is in. Because he's amazing. I mean, Michael Keaton is amazing as Beetlejuice and Beetlejuice as a character is amazing. So I'm going to burn a fun fact because it's something that I've harped on in other movies. Okay. About 90% of his dialogue in this movie 
is improv Oh, but he does such a good job. So, but here's the thing. Here's exactly why I bring this up because I've talked about this with Creep and with others. Yeah. Improv is only good when it's amazing. Yeah. And if it's less than amazing, it's terrible. This, I think, is the perfect use of improv in a movie because he's not improving any story points. He's not improving any other actions that involve other characters. No other characters are improving. He's just saying crazy shit. Yeah, it does work. It, and it does because it's literally just him living in the world of who that character is and letting that come out. This is where improv works in a movie. But it works because he's great at it. Yes, it works because he's great at it, but also it's crucially not controlling where the story goes. Yes. That's the mistake a lot of people make. Well, speaking of Michael Keaton and Batman, I think Beetlejuice would be a good Batman villain. Oh, I would watch Michael Keaton Batman versus Michael Keaton Beetlejuice any day of the week. Yes. Sign me up. Yes. I do think there are parts of Beetlejuice that has not aged well because he definitely gropes Gina Davis a bunch and tries yeah. to marry a teenager. Yeah. But also, I don't think the movie is portraying him as a great guy. They're no, like, no, I think no. he's terrible. He is well, the, the first time he meets them. He's like, how solid y'all's relationships? Like, what are my chances with your wife? Yeah. Even in being a bad guy, he he is so aggressively watchable like you oh, can't yeah. take your eyes off. he's so charismatic yeah are you saying this is like an andy kaufman-esque dead villain no kaufman is very different i didn't find Andy kaufman watchable at all really i mean he's not supposed to be he's supposed to be uncomfortable yeah here's what's crazy about beetlejuice michael keaton was their last choice what wow. yes i'll go through the list of all the other people they tried to hire before michael keaton but you no one else could be Beetlejuice. like he's he's the guy like yeah i don't understand yeah it's such but, a unique character too and i is. think making him the villain works and i think yes. in any other capacity well i don't know he does really well in that cartoon i i mean you turn down the creepiness and he is just a very charming like chaotic neutral factor no i i mean i think the cartoon works for kids that are not really caring about story or character development wow personal attacks i see how we're gonna do now <laughs> you were playing with toys while it was on tv so you know i see we've just evolved into trying to hurt each other Paige. <laughs> yeah yes i see because here's what i'll say about him being creepy he is a comically sleazy character yes. oh yes like Pepe Le Pew levels of comically sleazy yes. yeah he's even dressed the same as Pepe Le Pew guys like honestly black and white yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's turned to 11 the whole yeah. time oh, man. okay did any of you like see like live action Beatles you said like Six Flags Horror Nights or anything like that yes yeah yeah, yeah. <gasps> magical it, it's very much the movie character and it's very fun <laughs> yeah. yeah here's what's interesting the world of the movie works without him because of the like they're dead what do they do like all that's so interesting and then you add him into the mix and you're like who the fuck is this guy like what is this and when he enters the picture from that point on i was like okay i'm in like yeah. i maybe wasn't in in the beginning now i'm fully in and i want to watch him on a tv show <laughs> i think what really makes him work too is that like you could tell he's been dead for a long time because like nothing yeah. is important so like even when yes. in, like the climax of the film he's like stepping aside to do it like some like bonkers monologue to yeah. himself yes. in, in the climax of the film and it's hilarious love it. yeah love it he is chaos q like if you ever watch star trek <laughs> next generation and, and q just shows up and is just like i'm making mischief for my amusement like he is loki god of madness yeah. like, it's crazy 
but I love it. I wish he didn't grope people. But other than that, I love it. <laughs> anyway, they immediately are like, oh, this is the wrong person for our problem. <laughs> like, <this Yeah>. is- <laughs> it's like hiring a demolitions expert to fix your plumbing issues. <laughs> yeah, they, they immediately pull a Will Arnett in every episode of Arrested <laughs> Development. I have made a terrible mistake. I've made a terrible <laughs> yeah. mistake. Sometimes, Todd, they call me a demolitions expert for messing up plumbing. For causing the plumbing issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poop jokes. Speaking of <laughs> That's the kind of highbrow humor you're going to get here on this podcast. That's yeah. right. As I was telling Todd, the more famous you get, the more I plan to ride your coattails so I don't have to work full time anymore. I refuse to wear coats. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, take me with you to fame and fortune. You'll just be like, this is Michael. He is my Otho. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll be like, you're reading my mind. Giant screen on this wall. This is a bathroom. We're having a bathroom movie theater. Honestly? Exactly, Paige. You'll get the bill in the mail. <laughs> just play, play my TikToks on it. <laughs> Your own TikTok. Just giant TikTok. <laughs> I'll be like, I charged her $130,000. <laughs> I think it's funny that you think I have. No, this is if you're super famous. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so they immediately are like, we've made a mistake. <laughs> this crazy undead car salesman, Adam Babs. Uh, <laughs> so they say home three times and, and get back to the attic. Although there is a really... When they're talking to him and they're like, what makes you qualified? He's like, well, I did a year at Juilliard. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so it funny. Was so fucking great, man. It was so good. Did you listen to the whole thing where he like also survived the Black Plague? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, man. Plague. Well, and he changes his whole demeanor where he goes into like professional Beetlejuice. He's like, did a year at Juilliard and then I served in the Peace Corps and then I survived the Black Plague. And the, the weirder it gets, the more he kind of trickles back into it. Oh my goodness. So funny. Yeah, he's so great in this. I, I I know this movie probably does this on purpose, but I wish it would have explained like his curse and like why you have to say his name three times and stuff like that. See, this is why I need a TV show, but not mm-hmm. the cartoon. Like I need a, a live action Beetlejuice TV show. I check out that cartoon though, for real. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I would also watch a live action Beetlejuice TV oh. show. 100 percent yeah right like winona Ryder is like the adult now and she has a kid who like can also see ghosts yeah yeah because the kids also have beetlejuice what mari i think if you go through that <laughs> test you're gonna see it's not mine uh <laughs> beetlejuice you are the father oh no <laughs> anyway so they are like abandoned ship they end up back in the attic and they decide that they're going to try and haunt the dinner party themselves. Yeah. Uh, Beetlejuice is mad about it. So he kicks down the model tree <laughs> and says the one F word that you were allowed to say in a PG movie at the time. Yeah. Ratings have now changed because ratings are bullshit. But at the time you had one F word in a PG movie and he just says nice fucking model. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is sort of a nice model. Like it is a lot of it's detail beautiful. in that. Yeah. It reminds Reminds me of if you've been to Disneyland and you ride Peter Pan. Yes. You fly over like a model of London. Yeah. A lot of the old Fantasyland rides are just like, we built a miniature. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. Okay. So I love Legos. I love Legos as a kid. I love Legos still now. I mean, mm-hmm. I love them. I just don't have any. Well, sure. Well, okay. I have my childhood Legos in my storage shed for my mm-hmm. children, my future children. That you're definitely going to have one day. Don't say that. That's mean. I really want kids. I want kids too, Mikey. Uh, see, 
my brain went to a different place where I was like, I'm pretty sure they're still going to sell Legos then. Like, you could just buy them new Legos. Well, you need extra parts. <laughs> yeah, why yes. are you going to give them hand-me-down Legos, you cheap bastard? Because Legos are expensive, first off. They <laughs> are expensive. He's going to get, Legos like, Funko blocks or whatever they're called that are not <laughs> yeah, quite I'm not Legos. Getting them. Okay, but, like, if it was just... There's, like, a number of things that, like, if society accepted it, I would do a lot more often. Like, I would have, like, a room of just, like, a giant Lego city, like in the Lego movie. So... My parents have a giant Lego room. <laughs> well, they're married with kids. <laughs> they, yeah. they they buy like Lego pieces, like parts of like towns uh-huh. or like buildings, and they build them together. It's like a thing. Yeah, I get it. I'm all alone. I get it. Okay. <laughs> but also like I can't bring a girl home to a giant Lego city room. See, I wouldn't think that was weird. I would think it was kind of cool. I actually so Mikey, a girl that I went to high school with, who I know is currently single, works at Legoland, and I think you guys might hit it off. What's them, what's them, te- what's, what's them teeth do? They're actually Legos. Yeah. So <laughs> the good thing about our teeth, Mikey, is you can build them into whatever you want them to be using only your imagination. Yeah, if I don't like her face, I'll just take it off and put that head on that I like from the other figure. <laughs> All right, now you're getting into like a like serial killer who also like cuts women in, into parts and then assembles the perfect body, and that's terrifying. No, all the bodies are the same. It's a Lego. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a very sexist view of dating, Mikey. Every girl is awesome. Every girl is cool if she has some fucked up teeth. Every girl is awesome. I would also drink like really fruity drinks in public more, which I'd still do a lot. Live your life. Yeah. Get your happiness. Well, I had to stop because of the calories. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'll take a pina colada, extra cherries and cream, and then I'm like, oh, man, why was that 9,000 calories? Wait, did you eat extra cherries? You got to put cherries in your pina colada. I I have not. Uh, Like on top? Not usually, no. It's like a sundae, but like a drink. What I have had is something called a lava flow, where it's basically a pina colada where they put strawberry puree in it. And and like a stripe of like strawberry puree and sometimes grenadine. And so it's like a pina colada with like a little bit of berry kick. I don't think I've ever seen Mikey look so serious as he does right now. (laughs) It's real fucking delicious. That sounds like something I need for my next beach vacation. Super delicious. Uh, Maui is where we have had them. Let's go to Maui. Let's do a live show on Maui. There is definitely not enough people to attend a live show in Maui, but let's just go to Maui. Well, that's what I'm saying. We can just do a live show for the eight people who were there, and then we can write off the whole oh, trip. They do have huntsman spiders there, though. I'm out. I'm back in, because I want. I need that lava flow. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so back to this movie. The dinner party happens downstairs or it starts downstairs and we do get a little bit of a peek of the horrible design of the house now here's what i want to talk about we are all children of the 90s yes do you remember there was this thing in the 90s where it came in like a spray can Mm -hmm. and when you sprayed it it would look like stone like granite and it was literally just like speckles kind of and people would use it to do like the floor of their garage and stuff. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I yeah, think you know what I'm I know talking what you're about? talking about. Yeah. It appears in this film that they have used that on, on whole every set. wall. The entire <laughs> set. It's because Otho's a shitty interior designer. And it has like a texture to it too. Where it, it ends up having the texture of kind of like not quite sandpaper. Like it's raised. I don't know. But I was just like, I'm pretty sure they just got cans of that shit and sprayed down this whole joint yeah anyway so the dinner party starts 
and they are kind of talking amongst themselves. Lydia brings up that she thinks there's ghosts. And as she does, they essentially like, I guess you would say possess the dinner party yeah. to sing Deo by Harry, Harry Belafonte. Everyone's dancing around. I love it. It's so great. And as they kind of dance, they then sit back down in their chairs and hands reach out of their food and shove their faces back. Yes. And the only thing I could think of was I wish shrimp were that big. Oh, I'm sure you do, Mikey. I'm sure you were looking at these ghost shrimp and you were just like, what if there was a shrimp as big as my body and I could just pour melted butter all over (laughs) it? You have to dunk a whole arm in marinara, like cocktail sauce. Cocktail sauce, not marinara sauce. Oh, my God. And that is what it sounds like when he's eating wings, in case you guys are wondering. Yep, yep, It's yep. truly a sight to behold. So they finish haunting them, and they run back upstairs to the attic, and they're like, we're going to watch them scatter. Like, we're going to see them run out of the door screaming. They do not. Like, they, they are like instantly like oh there are ghosts that's fabulous i know they're super on board immediately yeah like i want to see the ghosts um they talk about how like the national Enquirer is offering like fifty thousand for proof of life after death like they basically set up a whole thing of like we're definitely going to get my boss here now we're going to pitch this as like an amusement park with ghosts and they try to get the ghost to come downstairs and they're just like no they're hiding outside of the window lydia's like they don't want to come down they were trying to scare you away and you didn't get scared so Everyone runs up to the attic and they see the model, but they don't see any ghosts. So they kind of just walk downstairs and they're kind of bummed because everyone's kind of leaving. They're like, well, we can't see the ghosts. We're just going to go home. Yeah. And her agent, Delia's agent, who introduces himself as I'm someone who has lost money on Delia's art for years. (laughs) (laughs) Which is amazing. Well, I mean, we've seen Delia's art, so I find that very believable. I do, too. Yeah. And so he leaves. And she's kind of dejected where she's like, it's not a hallucination. This is kind of amazing. And he's like, just frighten people with your sculpture. (laughs) 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 This is great. Uh, At this point, Lydia is kind of like, I think you scared them. Like, they didn't want to just do this for show. Like, they're trying to get their house back. No one's listening to her. Yeah. Otho finds the, the handbook for the recently deceased and swipes it. And they climb back in through the window once everyone goes downstairs. And Beetlejuice is laughing at them. Yeah. And at this point, they're like, okay, he's crazy, but what else are we going to do? Yeah. Sort of like a last ditch effort, which I get. Right. Yeah. Uh, So they call on him. They say his name three times. He shows up as a giant Beetlejuice snake. He slaps Otho with a rattle, which is great. Uh, but this is where he kind of like sneaks up on Lydia and he's like, we've come for your daughter. Like, it's not great. So yeah. they call his name three times and he's gone. And Lydia at this point is like, everybody leave me alone. I'm tired of all this being weird. Yeah. I'm just going to go to my room. And they're trying to like talk to Beetlejuice about like, you could have killed somebody. Like, that was really dangerous. Yeah. And he's like, well... Oh, well, like, if you didn't want me to do that, why'd you call me? And he basically says he's going to find a little action. So he wanders into, like, a tiny brothel yeah. built well, into well, the well, model. Well, we don't know if it was a brothel or, like, a, an undead strip club. No, we know it's a brothel because Juno says later that it's a brothel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What a special power he has to conjure brothels. Well, he doesn't. So that's the thing, because she asks, like, <laughs> Gina Davis is like, why did you build that to Alec Baldwin? And he's like, I didn't 
build that? And whoosh, they're back in the dead services offices <laughs> with Juno. Yeah. And she then says the, quote, whorehouse was my idea. Yeah. And so she basically is like, I need him distracted because I got to talk to you. We got to put him back. You got to get the pictures that Lydia has and you got to get the handbook. And as she's talking about it, she's got a whole football team around her that just keep calling her coach. Yeah. They've clearly died in like a plane accident yeah. or whatever. Uh, my favorite is that they interrupt and they're like, I don't think we, f- I don't think we survived the crash. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, what gave you that idea? <laughs> Regardless, back in the world of the living, uh, Lydia's dad has convinced his boss to come to dinner to see the ghosts. Yeah. Well, and sort of his proposal for the, buying up the whole town and turning it into a, like a ghost amusement park. Right. And also Otho is claiming that he knows how to contact the supernatural and therefore justifying his presence longer. Right. Well, he did swipe the book. So, you know, he he might have learned that in that amount of time. Right. Meanwhile, Lydia's in her room writing uh, what appears to be a suicide note. Yeah. And it basically says, by the time you read this, I will have gone having jumped. No, plummeted off Winter River (laughs) Bridge. And at this point, we cut back to Juno who says to Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, like, look, I don't care what it takes. You got to get them out of the house now. And so she's like, show me how you're going to scare them. So Alec Baldwin pulls his face back and puts eyeballs on his fingers. Gina Davis pokes her eyes in. So they come out her throat and she's got the giant mouth. Everyone has seen those designs. They're ubiquitous. Yeah. I I mean, and they stick with you. And it's not like scary, scary. It's just like, oh shit, this is kind of cool. It's, it is strange and unusual. Yeah. I would say. It's very Tim Burton-y in my mind, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think they would be scary in other, with with a different context. Sure. Yeah. Like in Hellraiser, I think Mm -hmm. these two characters need to be Cenobites. (laughs) Like the nicest ones? Yeah, the ones covered in cream cheese frosting. (laughs) Anyway, back in the world of the living, Lydia brings her note up to the attic and she talks to Beetlejuice. Yeah. And is basically saying like, I kind of want to be dead. I don't like the world of the living. And he's trying to trick her and be like, hey, like you probably got your reasons. If you help me get out, I'll help you get in. Like, don't tell your friends, but like we'll play charades. And she says Beetlejuice twice because yeah. he does the like first word beetle, second word juice. Um, And she before she says it the third time says, no, I want to talk to Barbara. Yeah, I can't go through with it. So Barbara and I think Adam is Alec Baldwin's name. Barbara and Adam come back to the attic, accidentally scare her with their faces, but then bring them back to normal. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, she says that Beetlejuice told her if you let him out, he'd take me to find you because I want to be dead, too. And Gina Davis is like being dead doesn't make things easier. You can visit us anytime you want. Yeah. Like, we're going to invite your family to stay. We're going to figure out a way to live with you. It's a super sweet moment it where like, they really care about Lydia. Yeah. And, and it seems like Lydia is the reason they make that choice where they're like, we like her enough that we'll let them stay. We'll figure it out and we'll be her friend. Right. And it's sad, sad and sweet that Lydia's like, I want to die so I can spend eternity with you two who are like really nice and right. loving to me. Yeah. Right. They are sort of the parents Lydia doesn't have, which I, I right. sort of like right. that, that she has like real life parents that aren't great. And she has dead parents that are awesome. And we'll get there at the end, but it's like even weirder at the end. It is. Where I feel like yeah. her real parents have just abdicated all responsibility. Oh, yeah. And and if you look back at the beginning of the movie where it seems like perhaps Gina Davis's character really wants children, but has been unable to have them. Yeah. 
Lydia kind of becomes that child. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as they're kind of talking, they get interrupted because there is another dinner party happening that night and they're taking the model downstairs Yeah. Uh, to use it to pitch essentially an amusement park scenario for this town uh and they're trying to talk about the credentials of the people that are going to be working on it and one of them invented the talking marcel marceau statue (laughs) which is very funny talking statue of a famous mime yeah uh and an insect zoo i would go to an insect zoo i think that'd be kind of cool okay i like the insect house of a zoo yeah yeah i do too i like them as, as long, long as, as they're, they're like behind, behind glass. glass yes exactly yeah. Paige. i was gonna say the same thing yeah if you're behind glass we cool we yeah. cool so uh they want to see some ghosts lydia says that they're not here anymore and so osho is like fuck it seance yeah <laughs> like <laughs> he does like immediately jump to seance which i think is funny he goes from zero to seance in like a minute yeah it's the only chapter he read of that book it is <laughs> clearly because when they come and they start dying and they're like what do we do osho's like i don't fucking know Uh, but they need a personal item so they actually get their wedding clothes that they found in the closet yeah so they put them out on the table they do the seance and barbara gina davis starts fading away from the attic and then becoming corporeal in her wedding dress that shot was really cool it's very cool but as soon as she does she starts to die yes clearly Uh, And they do the same for Adam. And again, they both start to die and he holds her hand and it crumbles and it made me like very sad, but they don't know how to stop it. Otho is like, I only read so far in this book. So (laughs) he's like, I just barely stole this book. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) I've only had it for like two days. This is an unrealistic expectation. But so Lydia then runs to the model and begs Beetlejuice to help. And this is where he's like, I'll help if you marry me. That's right. Yeah. And she agrees to it. Which is terrifying, yeah. 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 So he rises out of the model. His head is a carousel. His arms are the big hammers. He kind of creates a scenario where the dad's boss and his wife are on like those carnival games where you hit it with a hammer and it like sends a thing up to ring a bell. Yeah. So his hands inflated hammers. He hammers both of them. They are launched out of the roof of the house. And we like never see them again. We never see them again. I don't think they made it. They definitely didn't make it. They may have made it to space, but they're (laughs) definitely dead. Yeah, definitely (laughs) dead. Something that Beetlejuice does is he stops the seance. So the Maitlands, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, do start to come back to life, air quotes. Well, back to afterlife, right? Not the dead version of death. Yeah. Right. He scares Otho away, but not before putting him in a powder blue suit that is that he hates. <laughs> Which I, I don't know why, but I found that hilarious when Otho's clothes rip off of him and it just exposes an undersuit. I was like, right. this is a guy that knows how to layer up and I'm here for it. <laughs> That's like his base layer. Like he reacts like right. he's completely naked. And that made me laugh so much. Very funny. <laughs> so great. So the Maitlands are, are coming back to afterlife. Everyone else is gone except for Delia and, and her father, Lydia's father. Yeah. And at this point, he's like, all right, time for the wedding. He (laughs) makes the fireplace into a door. He needs witnesses. So he traps them in the sculptures. And he 
answers for Lydia because she's so about to say funny. no. Dude, with her voice. And I love how he's like, yes. when he takes over and is using her voice to answer for her. I am of sound mind. Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. The part that's not funny is they're 20 years difference in age. Well, and she's a teenager. Yeah. Well, he's not alive, so does it really count? You know what? I don't know what the rules are when a dead person marries someone who's not dead. That's a fair question. Yeah. What is the age of consent and the eighth level of hell? Point of order. Wait. The chair recognizes Paige. I think this is a Persephone scenario. Okay. Where by marrying him, she would then have to go down into hell. Hell. Yeah. That makes more sense. It does. Mm -hmm. Anyway, everyone's trying to say Beetlejuice, but uh, he knocks Adam's teeth out of his mouth. Then Gina Davis tries to say it. He has the zipper over her mouth and then like the metal plate. The fucking river dance he does to avoid Alec Baldwin's teeth makes me laugh every time. I'm like, he is Michael flatleying himself away from these teeth. And he's having so much fun in this fight. Like he could care less if he wins, which is like such a bizarre villain choice. But that's why I kind of liked it. Yeah, Yeah, I love just pure chaos. That and every, I don't know if you guys noticed, every time he reaches into his pockets, it's just full of snakes. Yeah. Like he pulls snakes out of his pockets like four times. And every pocket. So like his pants pockets have snakes. The breast pocket of his blazer has snakes. Like it's crazy. I love it. I've got a pocket that's full of snakes. Or one snake. One snake. Dick pocket brought to you by Mattel. Oh. Oh, wait. They make kids to it. I'm out. Hang on. Hang on. That's a a bad decision. All right, Beetlejuice. (laughs) My favorite was earlier in the movie. I, I forgot to bring it up, but he hawks a loogie into his suit yes. jacket pocket and yeah. just says, so we'll save that one for later. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted undead Chris Hansen to be like, Beetlejuice, have a seat right over there. <laughs> Beetlejuice, why did you bring these haunted Mike's Hard Lemonades? <laughs> Lydia is a paid actress. She yeah. is also dead. Yeah. Just hearing him squirm out of that would be hilarious. Like, Oh. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know she was. A, I didn't know she was a teenager. I uh, when I told her I wanted her to yeah. see my snake, I meant my pocket snakes. I didn't mean a uh, dick or anything. I. Oh my god! I just realized something. Beetlejuice sounds like Alex Jones. Oh ah! my god, he does. You're right. Don't worry about me. I'm just making sure the frogs stay gay. Like. <laughs> and honestly, it is that sort of chaotic that Alex Jones yes, is. Yes, yeah. it's that chaos. It- Except he thinks he's serious. Yes. Uh, And not that his pockets are full of snakes. Right. I can't wait till Alex Jones is gone because of the lawsuits. He's just getting default judgments on. That's why we've waited to do a cult podcast episode on him. We will eventually do one, but we're waiting for like all the suits to kind of finish up. Yeah. Anyway, he pulls a bunch of worms out of his (laughs) snakes out of his pocket. Yeah. He finds a disembodied finger with a ring on it to put the ring on her finger. And he just says, she meant nothing to me. I swear. I love that because clearly she did. You were married. Yeah. You're taking the <laughs> wedding band off of that disembodied well, finger. And he's doing this whole thing of like, I, I like, I'm getting married, but I said I only do this once, and if I did it once, it was going to be for good. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and then literally, he has the other finger. Literally, right after that, he takes the finger off, the ring off the finger. It's so crazy. Oh, uh, so meanwhile, Alec Baldwin, who's been like transported into the model, crashes a car into his foot to kind of distract him, and then he has like transported Gina Davis out into the sandworm world, and so she rides a sandworm into the wedding disrupting the wedding well and taking out beetlejuice 
and taking out Beetlejuice, who falls back down into the world of the dead. Yeah. And we cut to, I would imagine, sometime later, where Lydia is at school, Miss yeah. Shannon's school for girls. Uh, she comes back to the house, and the house appears to be back to normal. Yes. What I think is that this is the model. I think this is the house and the model. Oh, do you? And that, Yes. So here's hmm. what I think. How does Lydia get into it? I Well, I think that's part of Lydia's ability to see them as ghosts. Like, I think they can kind of transport her because of the connection they have. Okay. This is just my theory. Uh, there is not enough evidence to prove me right. Sure. But I think they live in the model house the way they wanted it to be so that they can continue to fix it up. Okay. It's their house. Sure. While the Dietzes still live in the regular house, just however they want it to be. Right. And that's how they coexist peacefully. So... Lydia comes home to the model house, or at least to Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis's house. Yeah. And she got good grades. And it, because she got good grades, they allow her to kind of float and do this fun ghost dance. It is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. But it's the shake, 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 shake Sonora. Yeah, it's so good. And the rest of the house can hear it. So her parents can hear it. And they're like, oh, she must have gotten good grades. Like, that's how this must have gone. Because they've, for some reason, completely abdicated their responsibility as her parents. Yeah, that yeah. was my thought. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, they're just going to let these ghosts raise their kids. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It is pretty great to have built-in babysitter ghosts. Like, yeah. that would be awesome. Like, childcare is way cheaper now if you have that. Like, yeah. Right. We cut to the waiting room where Beetlejuice is now waiting to see someone and he's number like nine million or whatever. He switches so with a guy next to him Man. who it is implied has shrunk in the head of the, the guy on the other side. Yeah. And so he switches for number four and he's like, how'd you get the head so small? And the guy just sprinkles a little bit of dust on his head and then Beetlejuice's head shrinks. And we cut back to Lydia having a grand old time yeah. with the football player ghost. Yeah. And, and that's the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about Beetlejuice? I really like it. I, I did like it. Uh, I Definitely some pacing issues in the first act and a half, but like once it really gets going, it's very, very fun. I think the world of the movie is fascinating. Uh, I, I do think formatting-wise it would have been better as a, a TV show, but a TV show modern day. Yeah. I'm talking like eight episodes max a season yeah. kind of thing. I really love this movie, and I've loved it since I was a kid so it, i'm very glad to find that you Paige, have not seen it except for like today yeah it's still sort of held up for you because of course i'm viewing it through like the lens of nostalgia so like i grew up loving right. this movie so i still love this movie but i feel very vindicated that you also like this movie having just seen yeah. it I mean, it's not perfect. It has its issues. And, and it took me a while to get into it. But like once I did, I was like, no, OK, I can vibe. I can vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But I, I also and I agree about the pacing thing. I just also think you can't have Beetlejuice the entire movie because he is so chaotic. It's too much. And all yeah. over the place. It's sort of like the Mercutio problem. It's the mask. The yes. mask is a good example of that. Like you can't yeah. have it the entire movie because it is just insane. Yeah. You need Stanley Ipkiss for the mask to make sense yeah you know you need the the flip side of it and there's not really a flip side to beetlejuice which is why he's kind of perfect as a villain because like he pops in he sows chaos and then everyone else has to deal with it but your your primary people that you're sticking with are grounded in an emotional reality that is not chaos so 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I really, I really do love this movie. It was a movie my older siblings loved. So like they got yeah. me into it and I was introduced to it really young and it's just great. It is a great movie. It's a fun, it's a fun film. Yeah. So I was, I was thrilled when the, uh, this one, the listener request, I was very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a little tortured this month. Yeah, except for Poltergeist 2, every movie this month, even though I honestly liked all of them, except for Poltergeist 2, yeah. every one of them was like emotionally, like just hard to sit through, you know? But they were all great movies, except yeah, for Poltergeist it... 2. <laughs> Let me be clear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, are we ready to get into some fun facts? Yeah, Paige, yeah. if you would please hit us with your fun facts. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice fun, fun facts. facts. Hell yeah. So let's start out with the name Beetlejuice. It's actually the name of a star. It's the 10th brightest star in the sky. And that name actually comes from an Arabic name that I cannot pronounce. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's pronounced Beetlegeist. I can barely pronounce English words. That is true. We've, we've learned that. There's a number of pronunciations listed for it. The most common pronunciation is popularized for sounding like Beetlejuice because it's a it's something that we can people can kind of wrap their minds around saying because it sounds like other yeah. things. So that's become the most common pronunciation, but it is spelled B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. -E -E. So it's spelled the way that it is on on the grave and, and a couple other things in the movie which I do think is actually really interesting in this movie, even in the captions uh, and everywhere in the movie, it is spelled correctly as far as the star name. But then the actual title of the movie is Beetle Juice, as in like Beetle Orange Juice. Yeah. Um, and I think we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. I'm about 99% sure that that was a studio note to make sure people pronounced it correctly. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me because I would have definitely mispronounced that yeah oh for sure uh so initially when tim burton took over this production as a director when he was hired his first choice was beat for beetlejuice was sammy davis jr whoa okay which i think would be kind of like if you watch big mouth when jordan peele is the ghost of duke ellington yes i th i think that's the vibe that they wanted or at least that tim burton wanted originally and the studio was like hard pass so the studio gave them other options so they offered this role too are you ready for the list yes please bill murray okay jack nicholson robin williams okay jim carrey tim curry christopher lloyd good lord and dudley moore really wow yes aside from dudley moore i think Every other name that I read beforehand is in the neighborhood of what we get with Michael Keaton. Absolutely. I think yeah. we would have gotten a similar vibe from all those people. And it's clear that that's the vibe the producer saw for this. Yes. But for me, like before this movie comes out, if you say all of those names and which one can pull off this sort of thing, I would have said like Jim Carrey, Robin Williams are probably your top. Tim Curry. Yeah. yeah, Tim Curry, right. Christopher Lloyd, honestly, because sure. he had already done uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. True. And was a great villain there. But I I also can't see anyone else as Beetlejuice. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, 100%. Michael Keaton's yeah. name on that list. If you're just looking at the list, I'm like, uh, probably not. But he crushes it. Like he's so yes. good in this. So Michael Keaton improvised almost all of his lines. They kind of gave him like, this is kind of who you are. This is the kind of guy this is. Right. And you have a minute and a half to talk. Basically, <laughs> like go nuts. Yeah. And despite playing the title character, 
He only has 17 minutes of screen time. That's amazing. In the movie. Yeah, he shot all of this movie that he is in in two weeks. Wow. He only spent okay. two weeks on this movie, but he says it's the his favorite role that he's ever played, essentially. I mean, he looks like he's having fun. Yeah, Mikey, yeah. he's having the best time. You could just tell. The entire crew was having a good time because during those two weeks, whenever he would arrive at set, the crew would just cheer Juice, 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 juice. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So it's and because that's after he would sit in makeup for a couple hours. And oh, when I'm he sure. came out from makeup onto set, they're juice, juice, juice. That's they amazing. Loved it. I love it. So the screenplay for the movie was originally written as a straight horror film. It was not a comedy until Tim Burton gets attached to direct and Michael Keaton gets attached to star. Back when it was a horror film, they offered it to Wes Craven to really? direct it. Interesting. Yes. I actually think I would have watched a Wes Craven, like especially now. Like a lot of Wes Craven stuff does sort of teeter on the line of funny. Dark humor yeah, a little so bit. Like, yeah. I could absolutely see a really good version of this with Wes Craven at the helm. Yeah. Like when I heard Wes Craven, I was like, that's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. You know, where I'm just like, yeah, maybe. Um, but in the original script, which was much, much darker, Beetlejuice actually sexually assaults Lydia instead of marrying her. Ooh, that's and not so, good. Yeah, when it was changed to a comedy, that was the first thing to go. Yeah, Basically, just I'm like, sure. gone. Um, the studio originally wanted to call it House Ghosts, um, and Burton <laughs> hated that name. He was right to hate it, yeah. He, yeah, he jokingly suggested that they call it Scared Sheetless. Oh! <laughs> it's really funny. I sort of love that, though. Like, I, I think it's really uh, funny. So did the studio executives, and they wanted to move forward with potentially calling this movie Scared Sheetless. Nice. And Tim Burton hated it. He had said it as a joke. Uh, and so he then settled on Beetlejuice, but spelled in a way that people would pronounce it correctly. Right. Catherine O'Hara actually met her future husband on this movie, one of the production designers, and they were married for a long ass time. I think they're actually still married. Wow. But she was also not the first choice for the role. Originally, they wanted Christy Alley, but... Okay. <laughs> she could be a good stepmom. Yeah. Yeah, she could be good or terrible. It's like yeah. a wide chasm of crazy. But Cheers wouldn't give her the time off. <gasps> so that's why she doesn't end up in this movie and okay. it's Catherine O'Hara instead. But to be honest, I think Catherine O'Hara does a great job. She's amazing in everything. She is. But there, it wasn't a direct line from Christy Alley to her. So Christy Alley couldn't do it. Then they called Angelica Houston. But then she got sick. I think Angelica Houston would have been amazing. Yeah, I think she could have been great, too. She got sick. She couldn't do it. Then they reached out to Sigourney Weaver. Oh, man. Okay. And she oh, turned it good. down. Then they reached out to Linda Hamilton of Terminator Yeah, fame. absolutely. She turned it down. Laura Dern and then Goldie Hawn all turned it down. Wow. Man, Goldie Hawn would have been real good in this. Goldie Hawn, well, that would have, death becomes her is essentially mm -hmm. what, yeah. you know, we would have gotten. Um, but, and then it finally lands with Catherine O'Hara. Awesome. I mean, I love Catherine O'Hara. So I, again, couldn't She's see great her. In this. Couldn't see anybody else other than her doing this role now that I've seen it a bunch, you know, but I can yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. see why you may have, before it was cast, look at those other people who also probably Probably would have been great. I mean, Angelica Houston. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> the darkest, scariest stepmom ever. Yeah. So because they had kind of a smaller budget, a lot of the visual effects had to be done in camera or with makeup and latex masks. Yeah. So the space scenes and the sandworms are the only visual effects 
done in post-production. So a lot of other stuff, they either built rigs or built giant puppets. Yeah. All kinds of stuff to manage it. The snake, the Beetlejuice snake, is a puppet. If you go see the Tim Burton exhibits in museums, you can see it in real life. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So almost everyone who read the script for this project turned it down originally. <laughs> I also find that sort of easy to believe, which I mean, 100%. yeah, I, I sort of get it. Uh, and Tim Burton actually flew out to meet most of the people. So both Michael Keaton and Catherine O'Hara and a number of other people in the movie to try and convince them to do it. And eventually they agreed to, in part because um, I think Edward Scissorhands is already out. At this point. Oh, is it? Uh, no, actually, Edward Scissorhands comes out after this. Okay. But Frankenweenie was definitely already out. And so I think they kind of agree based on some of the heat that Tim Burton has going into it. Yeah. But he it takes some convincing. Um, I already talked about the plot hole where they're not wet the entire time. Yeah. Uh, for the scene where the shrimp and the hands jump off the plates and attack the guests, they couldn't get it right. So they had to film it backwards. And it was actually Dick Cavett, who's in the scene as her art agent, uh, who comes up with a solution to the problem. And he suggested that placing the shrimp down on their faces and then kind of like shooting it backwards so that the shrimp fall off their faces and rolling the film backwards would, you know, make it work. And it actually does. And that's the cut that ends up in the movie. Awesome. Hmm. That's very cool. So the final scene of Beetlejuice where he's in the waiting room was not in the original script. <laughs> so it was when they added after. Uh, because they wanted a tag and because Michael Keaton had done so great. Yeah. And they thought it would be a good place to get a joke in for people to like laugh as they're leaving the theater. I mean, they're right. I really do love the severed woman that's on either side of him and he's like touching her leg and then on the, yeah, uh, oh, on the other mean, side slaps him pest, or whatever. But yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. Now, here's the thing. This movie is a huge success. Um, yeah. And ever since, the studio has been trying to get a sequel made. And Michael Keaton has always been eager to do the sequel, um, but Tim Burton had no interest in doing a sequel to this movie. Okay. Which is so sad because he makes such shitty movies after this point. No, there, there's definitely good ones after this point. There's a couple more, but like his later work has been very bad. Sure, but like- He Edward's, made two of those Allison Mad Hatter movies. I know, and, and I hated both of them. But Edward Scissorhands <laughs> comes after this. So does- Nightmare Before Christmas, which has become like a classic. Like it or don't, that movie has. But that's the peak. Endured. He's all downhill after that. That is the peak, I would say. It is kind of downhill from that point. He made a sequel to the Johnny Depp Mad Hatter film and not Beetlejuice. And not and Beetlejuice. That's not the world I want to live in. Well, well, and he. Page. Well, hold on. I'm getting to I know, it. I know. He so badly did not want to do the sequel that he pitched the idea to the studio for a fake sequel. So he told them that the title of the sequel was Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Oh my God. But unfortunately, the studio execs were like, great. How do we make it? And he refused to write it. So did the original screenwriter refuse to write it. Um, and it's been in development hell under that title for decades. But every time that studio gets like new writers 
and tries to offer them scripts to kind of punch up or write, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian is one of the ones that they offer. So it's actually been offered to multiple famous writers and directors under the title Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian and they have turned it down. Most famously, because he's one of the only people that's talked publicly about it, is Kevin Smith. Yeah. Uh, was offered Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. So those are your fun facts. I would watch Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. I would watch anything they do with Beetlejuice. And honestly, Kevin Smith is a good writer. I'd, I'd probably watch it. So let's talk some box office. So I have to recuse myself. Oh, do you already know? Mm-hmm. Well, this movie came out in 1988. What do you think the production budget was for Beetlejuice? In 88, I'm going to say $5 million. Okay. It was actually $15 million paid. That doesn't... It looks great for 15 It does. It's a lot of special effects. A lot of practical yeah. effects. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of... I was like, I know they did them practical, but like computer was more expensive at the time. So At the yeah. time, it definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 15 That makes sense. But if you adjust for inflation, that's $37 million. It's a pretty decent budget. Although I do think this, especially for when it came out, still holds up. Like there's nothing in yeah. this where I'm like oh that effect doesn't hold up you know yeah effects wise all the effects hold up especially because they have a very artistic style and so i think that's how they get away with it that's how it doesn't look dated yeah because it all is a stylistic choice yeah no agree uh and that's sort of that tim burton world i feel like plays into that Mm -hmm. he has a very like noticeable and iconic style right or aesthetic maybe is a better way of saying it someone called it later on a crutch yeah he is unable to do anything outside of that which he does it really well and i think it served him well in his early movies but and part of, part of me wonders if he's forced to do it like they wouldn't want him to do something else or he just does it like that well here's my thing i don't hate it i love a yeah. good a good like bold style like Same. that i err on the side of what todd said earlier of like i think he's at a point where it's tim burton yeah you're gonna give tim burton a note yeah you're gonna yeah you're gonna question his judgment and i think that's the same thing that happens to a lot of famous directors when their movies yes, have done well his, yeah. his work the last 15 years has just been but it makes money mikey does, that, like, i know that's it makes i know it makes money but like sleepy todd all those mad hatter movies, all that stuff i i i hate it all of them you I mean just his not- johnny depp era yeah yes. i'm not a fan <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I also just don't really. I, I've never been a huge Johnny Depp fan in general. So yeah, like, the big big fish too. I'll throw a big fish. I, I was just like, Ugh. but I mean, as a director, he has brought in more than four point four billion dollars in the box office worldwide. Yeah, you're not going to give him yeah. a note. You know, you just like, yeah, absolutely. He's so established that he's going to sell tickets either way because his name is attached, right? And and here's the thing: there are people that love his work and love his movies and love that style, and they're going to go no matter what. Yeah, I mean, just like, hey, I buy a ticket to every. Edgar Wright movie and you're not going to tell me not to the same with Quentin Tarantino and you could argue the absolute same for both of those people with various projects that they've made I think the closest one is Wes Anderson and him oh, as far as stylistic yeah. my sister's stuff. a huge Wes Anderson fan I am not as much but I get it and it's mm-hmm. very cool looking if yeah. I had to kill one Anderson director it certainly wouldn't be P.T. Anderson you know it would definitely be Wes Anderson I would say I tend to prefer P.T. Anderson movies yeah because they're way better but let's talk about when it came out so this movie came out the weekend of april 1st so april fool's day 1988 and it was number Mm -hmm. one in the box office the weekend it came out it beat number two was biloxi blues number three was bright lights big city Number four has to have been a re-release because it was The Fox and the Hound. And then... Um, wait, the animated version? It was the 1981 version. Yeah. So it has to have been a the re-release. The Fox and the Hound. And yeah, that that is the saddest movie ever made. It is. And it, 
it was a re-release. They re-released it again in the 90s too because I saw Fox and the Hound in theaters. Yeah. So so they were consistently re-releasing Disney animated movies. My child heart was not ready to sob like that oh. over a movie. Mikey, I am named after the Fox in that movie. Well, I don't know if that's where they got the name, Todd, but like we share a name. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was a hard movie for me to watch when I was four yeah anyway but yeah so that and speaking of four fox and the hound was number four that week and then the number five movie was the seventh sign but what do you guys think it made beetlejuice that is in its opening weekend okay so there was like nothing out that week well i mean biloxi blues it was a bigger movie uh the fox <sighs> and the hound was big but it also had come out seven years earlier so yeah the only movie in that list that i readily remembered then recognized the name of is fox and the hound and yeah. it was a re-release yeah so i'm gonna say beetlejuice clocks in at easily 20 mil this week okay it's a lot what do you think though mikey i don't know about the first week I, i'm with Paige. i think it is 20 million Okay, so it wasn't quite twenty million. It ended up being eight million dollars. Actually, eight million thirty thousand eight hundred ninety-seven dollars. But if you adjust for inflation, that is, and Paige, you're gonna love this, nineteen point eight million dollars. What? So yeah, if you adjust for inflation, you were almost exactly correct. Uh, But again, it was eighty-eight, so it was eight million dollars. So. Mm-hmm. Just a little fun fact. It was number one in the box office for a full month, for a full four weeks. Wow. In its fifth week, it was beat by Colors, but it was number two in the box office and was number two for two weeks. So for in the first Dang. six weeks that it was out, it was either number one or number two. So it did very, very well. Yeah. So anyway, what do you think it ended up making? And let's just say worldwide because there was an international release, but it was very small. So it was mainly domestic box office. But what do you, let's just say worldwide, what do you think it made? I'm going to go with 80 mil. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? I, I, I it's a recuse because I accidentally, I, I oh, wanted okay. to look something up on Wikipedia while I watched it and I accidentally saw it. I apologize. Oh, okay. So its total box office pull was 74 million dollars page so you were very 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 close close, and if you adjust for inflation that is 184.9 million dollars which is great for a comedy yeah for a a horror comedy comedy. yeah absolutely so if you look at sort of what it cost to make being 15 million dollars and then brought in 74 almost 75 million dollars it was a big hit i understand why the studios want to make more yeah 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 why they want to make beetlejuice goes hawaiian (laughs) And I don't know how long this has been on Tim Burton's IMDb, but it does say Beetlejuice 2 is slotted for release in 2025. A but, couple of years ago, they re- I think he they really started produ- production yes. production. Okay. Um, and Michael Keaton has hinted that maybe it is actually happening, but I think it's still in development stages. Well, 2025, I, I'm sure they're not shooting it yet or anywhere close right. to that. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah. Uh, scary scale listeners, how scary we found the film uh, the time we watched it this time. <laughs> the time we watched it. This time. (laughs) I'm so bad at talking on a podcast, and the whole point is being able to talk well. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I tried to change those examples once, but was shot down. You guys can discuss that in the Facebook group. So, Paige, what do you think? It was a one for me, and I just had an epiphany because I was trying to think of, like, what had Tim Burton done before this that got him the cachet to do this movie? And it was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah. Uh, So... 
There you go. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this is a one for me. Still Tim Burton's best film. Oh, yeah. I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It was a one for me, too. Not Pee-wee's Big Adventure. This movie. Pee-wee's Big Adventure was like a three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. a two for me. Yeah. yeah. Like Large Marge is no joke. <laughs> the <laughs> twisted, burning wreck. It's yeah. something about that guy in the pool where like the ink comes out of his mouth. I was Francis. like, Francis, oh, I don't yeah. like it. So what okay. did you give this a one for like? me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our scary. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Paige, he but said also absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah he I said mean, absolutely. honestly, if I did mistakenly say absolutely, I'm standing by it. All right. Fellas and ladies, if your partner asks if their butt looks good, you say absolutely. 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 Damn girl, your butt is absolutely fine. Yeah. All right. So now that we've invented a new word and have done all the scary scale, what are you all making us watch next week? This is me. Yes. We're going to summer. Yes, we are. And yes. I can't hide it anymore. We got to do Jaws 3. I haven't talked to yes. Paige about it, but I want to do it yes. next week. Actually, Mikey, you talked about us doing Jaws 3 in our last week's episode. I've talked about it for two years. <laughs> you have, because we've been looking forward to doing Jaws 3D for quite some time, and I still have not I've seen hyped it. it up. And I God, I hope it holds up for y'all. It's streaming too, so like we're Fantastic. good. We're doing summer month, by the way. We're gonna do like summer horror. It could be camp. It could just be in the summer. Well, your homework for next week is to go to SeaWorld for some reason in Florida, get wine drunk, and watch Jaws 3D, which is where that movie takes place. I looked it up. Yep. Yeah, it's at SeaWorld. It's bonkers. Yeah. Because Todd, the sons from the Jaws movies grow up. And both work at SeaWorld. Of course, and Jaws do. comes to hunt them at SeaWorld. Oh my God. See, here's the thing. If you've been hunted by a shark for most of your young life, I feel like you shouldn't go work at a place where sharks live. I feel like you should work in somewhere in like Kansas, right? That's like a landlocked. Yeah. At a sea parks. Yeah. Like it's I madness. love how he's like trying to he builds a scale model to try and figure <laughs> out how a fire killed oh man it's so if you, that's the it crowd if you guys haven't seen it sorry very funny um all right anyway i'm excited about next week absolutely so am i so mikey do you have a review for us to read no no i'm looking at it up. all right well while you're looking it up let me tell them how, how they can have their review run on the podcast and that is to leave us a five star text review and we'll have mikey read it for you so mikey whose review are you gonna read uh, this week there's one for Paige to read here. Oh, no. Yeah, get the Paige to read one. Oh, in Toby voice. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, Clat Dog. Uh, so, uh, I really love this podcast, and that's my true secret. It's basically just Beetlejuice. It is, which I honestly could not be more perfect for this episode. Uh, this trio keeps me laughing through every episode, and I particularly enjoy the fun facts because they really add so much more to every movie. Uh, you're welcome, Alex Jones. Like, that's, that's what it sounds like. Wow. Alex, Alex Jones, Jones big Beetlejuice. fan of the podcast. Well. <laughs> I've got one, one voice, and it's Alex Jones slash Toby slash Beetlejuice. I would be very upset to find that Alex Jones was a fan of our podcast. <laughs> it's me, <laughs> Alex Jones. <laughs> oh, if, if Alex Jones is Professor Boriarty. <gasps> I mean, Professor Boriarty seems too smart. He does, yeah. yeah. But I do think I could see Professor Boriarty being like a fat, formerly muscly person with a tiny dick like Alex Jones is. Let's not get too close to my home, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm in my workout class where my trainer was like, how do you lift so much weight you look out of shape? <laughs> it's not what he said, but like that's what he was saying with his eyes. Okay. <laughs> He's, He's like, like, those oh. squats, man. Yeah. Yeah, nice. 
So guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including Tim. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia and Tia's teenagers driving her crazy this week. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Uh, she likes her ghost parents more than Tia. Oh, and I bet she throws it in Tia's face all the time. It's uh, so that's not mean. what my ghost parents would say. Oh, uh, yeah. They, you never let me dance to that song while floating me above the floor and letting the ghost football team dance behind me. <laughs> This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast Kissing Jessica Jones Where each week they break down an episode of the Jessica Jones Agent Carter or WandaVision uh, TV series So if you want a breakdown show of any one of those TV shows Check out Kissing Jessica Jones So Jonathan wants us to watch some spooky uh, spider videos But I haven't gotten a new one since the last one he sent So Jonathan, send me some more, sign, send me some more spider videos I'm going to take this time Talk shit about Jonathan. Oh, you want to talk shit about Jonathan? Yeah. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Spider videos don't scare me. Real life spiders scare me. And like, for some reason, the movie Arachnophobia scares me, which they are remaking, which I think we should probably see it on release week. I mean, you and I should go see it in the theaters, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jonathan, if you could, please ship Mikey some spiders because he's an exterminator oh, like he goes to people's houses and gets rid of like dangerous spiders you're the one who checks the p.o box if that's what you oh, want shit. to happen hey jonathan reach out and i'll give you mikey's home address <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i would never do that oh, but my God. it would be very funny <laughs> that's so funny we now return you to another episode of uh, the patreonicals all right, the chronicles of rebuilding the Mun are happening. Yo, the chronic what calls of <laughs> rebuilding the Mun? The Illuminati Dreskel. He uh, brings everybody to. <laughs> Forgot I created a pawn shop character. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, okay, we got. I can do this. I can do this. You got this, buddy. <sighs> All right. So Dreskel, he's like, everybody. I've created 
while you guys while we were underwater, I created a giant space station. The absence of the MUN has really fucked up the world, and we need to be profitable for capitalism. The Illuminati has to keep things going. Absolutely, yeah. And the moon fucked up some shit. We got to rebuild, but like the oceans aren't working and shit. So get up there. <laughs> I'm gonna stay on Earth and kind of message you once a week some bullshitty like phrase. Okay, all right. You know the Illuminati control everything, so he's he's not great. He's not he's not great. He right now Chippendales is inside him. Really? They're like literally inside him? Yeah, he's one of those robots from Men in Black. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they go up. He's like, Jer- he's like, Jeremy's laser eyes will help. And so they, there's like, Amy's flying them all in a giant, they take off in a giant Illuminati space submarine. Okay. <sighs> Isaac, Dave, and Karun <laughs> are hanging out. And then they, they are hanging out on, on like the, uh, you know, it's like, they're floating in space inside sure. the spaceship. Yeah. And then it's like a lounge area. And then like Nathan, like the the muscle and uh Jeremy who has laser eyes are in there. Bo Easy is in there. He's like, Y'all should arm wrestle because he's like a Florida man. I and love so it. He's like, like, Y'all should arm wrestle. Woo! Like, <laughs> and they're like, We can't arm wrestle in space. That's like, how does that even work? He's like, I don't know. I'm from Florida. <laughs> I ain't never been to space. <laughs> so they're almost like fighting. Right. Um, Shining Donut is with um, Kaylee, and she's just nestled inside his warm, doughy donut hole area. Oof. Hey. I'm going to be honest with you, Mikey. I don't love this. It's not my favorite. But I mean, <laughs> listen, if I had a friend that was a donut and like one that like Krispy Kreme's hot sign is still on, like one of those donuts, <laughs> I might want to crawl inside that hole and just enjoy the warmth and glaziness. Uh, it's really helping your heel, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dave's in there in the, in the lounge area with uh, Nathan and Jeremy, who is like basically Cyclops, but like even better. Right. And um, Scott, who's the thing, you know, made of rocks and stuff. Yeah. So like, well, let's do arm wrestling. So Scott tries to arm wrestle Dave. His arm flies off and Dave dies of blood loss in space. Not from... <laughs> Of course, so they have to they they just put him in the airlock and tie him to it and then open the outside up. So he's frozen. So it cleans up the mess. And then they know he'll come back when he warms up. So they're just they, that's how they that's how they uh, do that. Fair enough. All right. Um, wait, wait. I do love that. We just got the arm shoulder thing resolved for our what's his name? Dave? What? Not not, not Dave. The guy who's the rock. Wes. Wes is still a Voldemort like cl- cl- creature. He's not back to full strength. Okay. But also Scott and Wes are pregnant. Well, oh yeah, because they got seahorsed or whatever at Atlantis. Well, yeah. Amy and Allie, Allie and Amber, mer people who have now, ha- they've splashed themselves and now they have legs <laughs> and they're, they're, they're also invested in get, going to the mud and rebuilding it. I do think we need to di- differentiate. They did not just splash themselves with water they oh, have splashed the themselves splash. like the movie so as yeah. long as they're not wet they have legs yes yeah. and they're like all over west for some like he's like a grotesque little voldemort thing and like they're just like all over him they're just super into it yeah people have their own like fetishes and kinks bro i get it mm-hmm. so like cody from the pawn shop he went he went up there too and he's like hey i got my moon rocks in the back but i also <laughs> could sell you some real cool jetpacks to help with this whole thing. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. It's got moon rocks and jetpacks. Yes. And uh, Jennifer with a PH, she's like, I'll buy some of them jetpacks. You all didn't know this, but I'm super rich. And I didn't tell anybody <laughs> until just now. 
She's been sitting on that card for a while. Well, she don't want people to like only like her. For I get it. You know what? I it's like those Hallmark movies where the prince goes to the small yeah. town to find true love because no one there will know who he is. Yeah, I get it. And she's like Cody Pawnshop guy. Like the world became Waterworld because the mun exploded, and we got to like fix it. And you're like selling us stuff. He's like, you may gotta make a book. I mean, yeah, you do gotta make a book. He's not wrong. So uh, Danielle and Aaron are talking uh, in the bridge with Amy and Kate, and they're like, okay. Here's the plan. We're gonna. We've got some of these shards. There's some giant parts of the moon that are still up here. Think we can use Jeremy's laser eyes and seal it all back together. Okay. I think we'll be okay. And uh, Kaylee and Danielle are like, we've got to recreate our home. It's destroying the Earth, but it's really shitty of y'all to only care about the Mun after it floods your whole planet, and you guys don't really give a shit about the Mun uh, except for that. So yeah. I'm just really mad at all of humanity and in uh, and. Aaron, the moon general, was like, if I still had my army, I would fuck shit up. <laughs> well, I guess it's good she doesn't have her arm anymore then. Right. So they're back in in the area where the month should be, and that's the end of the episode. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out what happens on another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week, but not like too great. Yeah, like temper your expectations for the week, and then it'll be a great week. It's mm-hmm. going to be a pretty great week, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Beetle Geist nerds. <laughs>